hello and welcome to uh, part two of the new MLS. Hello from the offside. I am joined today by Colin, Davis, and Renee. And today we'll be breaking down the Eastern Conference of MLS. Each team will get a breakdown. Uh, we'll essentially go over uh, the most critical player and or aspect of the team. Uh, biggest offseason change, losses and gains. Um, and then just kind of an expectation and or prediction of how we think that team will do this year uh, on the Eastern side. And then I think Colin, I'm not sure if anyone else prepared one, but Colin has an overall prediction of how the East will lay out. Um, so we'll get started here with, uh, we're going to go alphabetical. So we'll kick it off with Atlanta United and Davis. Do you want to take it yeah. over? Yeah. So uh, Atlanta United, um, they got a new coach, Gabrielle Hines. They got a new um, coach. What? They got a new coach. Um, Very new. It was a yep. Huey Lewis in the news thing. Okay. Irregardless, late talk. Um, Atlanta's got some <laughs> shaking up. going well. Yep. <laughs> Atlanta's, Atlanta's got, had uh, some shaking up going on. Um, they signed uh, freaking Andrew Gutman from Celtic and then immediately sent him to New York Red Bulls. So that, that was smart because they have um, really no – not much midfield presence to, to speak of. Um, they lost uh, Eric Remetti and um, uh, somebody else last year. Yeah. And from their midfield. And they, they, they also signed Santiago Sosa. He's like a 21-year-old Argentine that has played like 20. He has like 21 caps or something. Um, but he was linked to Everton um allegedly a couple months ago so all the atlanta united fans think that they they just found the new Messi. um but he's he's more of a deep lying holding midfielder from what i've read um so they're they're not getting miguel almoron 2.0 um which is is fine i guess but um let's see so davis who's starting uh as their left back then if gutman's gonna be um bello probably oh yeah you're right i forgot about him um and yeah so i think for at least as far as what we can expect from atlanta united there you know excuse me atlanta united fc real sporting um i they're they're gonna try to i think go back into that um weird reverse press that what's his face was doing the Dutch guy. Um, I don't think it's going to be that free flowing, beautiful style of Tata going forward, but it, it, it looks like they're kind of set up right now to play a little bit on like the counter and things. So, um, but they have no defenders. They have, they have, they have no defenders right now. Their back line is um, Hernandez, Robinson walks and bellow. And they have no center backs other than Walks and Robinson, and Robinson's the left back anyway. So, yeah, Atlanta United suck. So, what's your overall prediction? Are they going to make the playoffs? Failure, the playoff? failure, <laughs> absolute failure. Just like the whole rest of the city of Atlanta and all their sports teams. Hey man, failure. hey man, we have we have beautiful. Great listeners in the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area. I don't want <laughs> Colin to get bombarded with just hate mail. 
All right. Yeah. Uh, please are know that, do... that the the thoughts and messages expressed by Davis are his and his own. Do not represent the greater hello from the offside. Yeah. How are you going to do the dream like that? Kelly Loeffler just sold them. Aren't we all oh, dream that's fans true. now? That's true. You know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Their WNBA team's awesome. Davis, how many so. goals is Joseph going to score? I don't know, man. I, I I think he could actually have a decent year with these the with these these kind of deep lying holding midfielders playing those balls over the top like he likes. Um, but I, I don't think you're going to see much of that sweet interlinking play from a 10 and a nine like we used to. So I, I, I really don't know. But I mean, I mean, he's still Joseph Martinez. He's going to score 10, 15 goals. That's an interesting point. Like Sosa is ostensibly their starting 10, right? Right. But he's, but that's not his, his, his like play is not yeah. that, that, like I said, he's not Miguel Almoron 2.0. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. They're, they're, I think it's going to be very, I mean, unless they sign somebody new, it's just going to be very pragmatic. I mean, they're it, like, it's just what it's going to be. It's going to be Josie Mourinho, but in MLS. It's going to be, you know, DeBoer Stan, whatever the name is. Um, Gucci Tucci MLS style. Stop. Don't even. Barco's still like. Barco's still there, but. Yeah, yeah. When when's Bar- Barco always does those things, he has those flashes of like he'll have just an insane goal or an insane move, and then he he'll do nothing for the next three weeks. Um, so Atlanta United failure. They're gonna miss out on the playoffs and they suck. And then whenever Charlotte comes into the league next year, they're never gonna win again. Go sports. All right. Well, I guess we'll leave Atlanta United there. Uh, our next team then is the Chicago Fire, uh, and I have a Chicago Fire. Um, so doing my research on them, I think the biggest standout, most critical thing that I noticed was that they're just an insanely young team. Of their 30-player roster currently, 16 of them are 23 or younger. Um, and you can kind of, last year especially, you could kind of tell that they were a younger team. They would get out to leads and then just not be able to hold them. Uh, so I guess that's kind of the thing that needs to get figured out for the Chicago Fire is once they get a lead, can they hold on to the lead? Um, and just how is this giant youth movement uh, going to go? Um, their big additions uh, is Stanislav Ivanov, who's a Bulgarian uh, mid-winger. He's 21 years old. So again, young player. Uh going to fit into their system. Um, and then they also brought in uh, Chinasu Ofer, um, but they also lost uh, Sapong to Nashville and then Mialovic to uh, Montreal. And I think last year, Mialovic was kind of their best player, um, at least scoring wise. So should be pretty interesting to see where the goals come from for Chicago. Um, I personally, my prediction for them is that they're kind of going to be flirting for one of the last playoff spots. I think they have enough young talent and I think they're well coached that they could end up in the playoff. Um, I just, I think their coach, uh, Wiki, Raphael Wiki is, is good. And that like best case scenario, if things break their way, they could be fifth in the East, um, to kind of like touch on my point with Wiki, he used to coach for FC Basel and was like 600 there. Um, and he's also been really good for the U.S. 17 team. So 
that's kind of my thoughts on the Chicago Fire. Anyone have anything they want to add? Yeah, that Mihalovich sale to Montreal was really weird. Um, I mean, he's yeah, I was pretty surprised about that. He's like twenty two still, and he's yeah. homegrown. I it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless he just doesn't fit. I think the fire I, has something. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like when I saw like that he was traded because I honestly have not really followed the show fire. So when I was doing my research, I was kind of like, wait, they traded their like leading score from last year, if I remember correctly. So I was pretty surprised, but maybe he's just not a good fit, but it it's definitely interesting. And I think it's weird when you like follow the Chicago fire or like do any research on them right now. It seems like all the things I found were like, we're getting a new crest. We hate our crest from last year. And I'm like, but how's the team going to be? Like, what's going on here? So yeah, that, uh, that's what I was going to say, Brad. Is I feel like they're in an interesting position of, um, off, I, I, off the field, they're looking for stability, which is kind of interesting, right? They've, they, I think they lost, they changed ownership. They had their rebrand, which went like garbage. They finally got out of a cool stadium, just in a, not a uh, accessible area of Chicago. Um, you know, maybe maybe it'll be interesting what post-pandemic crowds are like. You know, there's there's this whole thing about people are, are yearning to get back and, and to just go to stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting if um, a, an MLS game at Soldier Field, depending on how much it is, if that's going to be something that the regular person is going to want to go to just so that they can go to a freaking sporting event in the summer. So that'll be interesting for them. But you're right. It's... Chicago is an interesting team that is looking for, I feel like they need stability for a year off the field to, for that to like bleed into stability on the field. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties into them going with a younger squad. I think they're just, you know, looking at this like, Hey, let's bring in, call up some younger players we have from our academy. Let's build around these young guys, see what we have, kind of build a stability, and then go from there. I mean, we've seen that kind of model work in MLS. You know, I think people generally think when they think of youth movements, they think of what Dallas has done in bringing in young players and just kind of staying stable. You know, there have been times where Dallas looks like they could be world beaters and champions of the MLS, but they've never really been a team that you're like, oh, they're not going to make the playoffs. And that's kind of just a huge thing because you just don't know with the grind of the MLS season, everything going on, what can actually happen in the playoff. Um, so I, I'm optimistic on them. I mean, I've I read a couple articles. It seems like actual fans of the Chicago Fire have some casual optimism as well. They kind of think, you know, if they can stay competitive and, like I said, hold leads that they, they can be good. I mean, I remember last year pre-pandemic, they played Seattle and Seattle and scored like really fast and just looked young and fast. And I was like, well, this isn't going to be good. Um, I think Seattle ended up pulling out a draw in that game 2-2. But uh, for long stretches of the game, Chicago looks like the better side. Um, so I, I think they're well coached. I think that having a youth team and just kind of the drag of the MLS season is beneficial. So, all right. We'll move to the next team, which is the newly named CF Montreal. And Davis has them. Is that really uh, alphabetical, though? Because isn't Montreal yeah. like in the M's? 
Yeah, but they're going by CF <laughs> I, I, Montreal. I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah, this is uh, America, the not dead. Canada. <laughs> the Impact are dead, that's right. Club right, de Foot de Montreal. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, Thierry Henry, his departure uh, a, couple, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago now. Um, yeah, for family reasons. And um, to be honest, I think we just kind of leave it there. Um, Wilfried Nancy has replaced him. And nobody really knows what in the world they're getting out of this guy. Um, he's been around the club forever. He's been with the academy forever. Um, but this is going to be his first real take on uh, head coaching. So it, yeah, it's, it's kind of an, um, an unproven commodity. But what, what they got with their, with their new head coach part on this uh, new rebrand with the awesome new logo that I like because it's a cool snowflake. Um, you would. It's a snowflake. Like, Is that what it looks like? Hmm. Looks like a brown star. But continue. <laughs> um, and, what type of uh, sun is a brown star? Hey, this isn't uh, a NASA podcast, all right? Oh, my bad. <laughs> so, what? As far as like what to expect from Montreal, they're they lost. So y'all, y'all already talked about Mihailovic. Um, he's gonna miss the first. I think month or two because he's going to be off with Concacaf U23. So Montreal really need to figure out what they're like, how they're going to score goals. Uh, they've only got one DP sign. That's Victor Wanyama. So they've got two DP slots again with with this new kind of head coach. I couldn't really find on any you know any beats on on, on deep potential DPs, but um, they've got them in the in the and you know they 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 need to use them. They lost. Um, Safir Taider, um, I know I'm slaughtering his last name, but I know it's like Alge- the Algerian Taider or something. Um, he was really good. Uh, and he went to go play out in Saudi Arabia. But he was kind of their, their link in midfield. So they're, they're really kind of like, like Atlanta, I guess. They're searching for an attacking identity. Um, Mihailovic will certainly be the centerpiece, but that they're going to need to find find a way to link everything and um, get things going. They they they've signed a, a handful of um, homegrowns, I think, and, and um, a let's see, a Kiki Struna for um, their back line. So they, I don't know, from from everything I could see, Montreal looks like they're going to be in pretty decent shape again if they can kind of find themselves really. Um, and I know that's kind of easier said than done, but, um, anyway, playoffs, Montreal, they're going to make the playoffs. Got it for them. They're going to do it. Club de Food de Montreal. Yeah, they're in. I think it's interesting with the Henri news that, and smart the way that they went. I mean, I don't think they were going to be able to do like a very wide managerial search this close to the season, kind of preseason starting up. And to just promote someone from within to just kind of have some sort of consistency and stability was probably the smartest way to go. Um, I think that, you know, in the offseason, if things don't go the way Montreal wants, they'll have more time to do a more in-depth managerial search. Just kind of my thoughts on that whole thing, because the Henri thing, it felt very sudden. I mean, it was like news got leaked that he would like had an offer and he might leave. And then it was like a week and a half later, he was gone. So... Montreal's such a weird team to me. Like, they, they seem like a team that could, if they were anywhere else, 
in the country in not a major city. Like I know Montreal's a big city, major city, but like not a major city. It's like a Columbus or a market. I gotcha. Yeah. Owned by anyone else, I would think like, is this a team that is on its way out? Like, are they gonna fold? Or are they gonna go somewhere else? But like Joey Saputo's super rich. He built a stadium that might not be very good, um, but it exists and it's there. It's like in the city. And uh, he just seems to like soccer. And he, he owns Bologna and the Impact, or now Club de Foot. Um, so, it's, I, I mean, I think there's like the money's there and the uh, interest by the ownership group is there. But man, it's just what a weird team. They haven't been like really good since Drogba was there. Yeah. Their they fans make a move. are pretty good. They do. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've got the support. I mean, they, 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 they need to make the move. They need to make a move. Um, and I'm sure, you know, the Henri business set them back. But, you know, uh, presumably Wilfried Nancy having been, you know, a, a club lifer essentially, you know, is, is behind the board and uh, the ownership and, and whatever, you know, future they see. So. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna sneak in though, y'all. They're gonna sneak in. They're gonna they're gonna score enough goals to get enough points. All right. Well, uh, we'll keep this rolling right along. Then uh, the next team up is the defending MLS Cup champions, the Columbus Crew, and we gave that to Colin <laughs> for obvious reasons. The, the Columbus Cruisers. Uh, so the the crew more or less keep everyone from their team last year. Um, from MLS Cup, they do lose two players who made an appearance. That is, Emma Boateng is gone, and uh, he was a trade last year, and Hector Jimenez is gone. That Hector's a, a bit of a tough loss because he's the MLS Swiss Army Knife. You know, he can play almost any position on the field um, and has been with the crew forever. He was there, I think he came in 2013. So... Seeing him leave and move to uh, to Austin, it's a little sad. I hope he gets to play a lot in Austin and gets to start um, as he should. So that's that's the biggest loss they have. Um, I think the the most critical aspect of the crew uh, is their sort of spine down the middle of the field with uh, Zardes up top, Zellerion right behind him, and then Nagby and Artur uh, behind, but behind those guys. Um, Nagby and Zellerion together are, I mean, that's one of the best midfields. That is maybe the best midfield in MLS. And if they both are out, it is very hard for the crew to win games, or it was last year. That may change this year. Um, they were also super-duper flexible last year with the ability to uh, either possess in games or to change really quickly and go to a counterattacking style, as you saw in that uh, the MLS Cup game against Seattle. You know, they were mostly counterattack Seattle and did it in a very lethal way. Um, and the game before against New England, they were possessing much more the same way against Nashville. Uh, so that's, I think that's what, what uh, Caleb Porter brought to the team, that flexibility. Um, that's what Greg Berhalter didn't have, so we'll see how that, how that continues. Um, I think I've gotten through the losses this year. It's, it's mostly just... Hector Jimenez, um, Emma Boateng did contribute some solid minutes, but he was, you know, he's a, essentially like a replacement level winger, uh, maybe slightly above. Um, acquisitions, somehow the crew, despite winning MLS Cup, um, 
are one of the only teams that seem to really do much in adding players in the offseason. Uh, they, they added Kevin Molino, which is the biggest signing. Uh, he was the play, leading scorer. He's so scorer. good. He was the leading scorer in the MLS playoffs last year. He, he's, he's so good. <laughs> and he just comes to the crew as a free agent. Like I, I haven't watched him play a lot, um, so I'm excited to watch him. But it's like adding that caliber winger um, as a free agent. They added Bradley Wright Phillips as their backup striker, who will get a lot of time this year. I know he's older, but he has a lot of goals in MLS. He was pretty decent with LAFC last year. Um, yeah, I'm happy he's gone from LAFC. Yeah, he was still scoring, and he's not going to be asked to do much more than be a uh, spot starter and score some goals when he's there. If he scores between five and ten goals, that's a successful season, and I think he can. Yeah, he'll give you a strong 15 and score a goal. Yeah, he's going to start some games because Zardes is definitely going to be uh, with the national team, with all of those tournaments we have this coming year. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, and then Perry Kitchen in the midfield, I don't love that signing. Um, I would have preferred they just kept younger Burhalter. Uh, but if they're, if they're looking for someone who's going to be able to play in that Nagby or Artur role um, and play, like, starter minutes in Champions League, which who knows how long they'll actually be in the Champions League, um, in the season while someone's hurt, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. And Kitchen played with, uh, you know, he's from Indianapolis, so he's like a local-ish guy. He played with uh, Porter and Akron, so it makes sense. Um, I don't know, Renee, if you like Perry Kitchen more than I No, do. I was going to say, I'm happy that two players left L.A. Yeah. One, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips from LAFC and Perry Kitchen from the Galaxy. Yeah. Perry Kitchen was a signing that I was like, you know, I jokingly, but I was like, I hope he does something, and he just... And, and again, that could be a galaxy um, issue, right? Not not knowing where to put them, just the galaxy as a whole, with the exception of their good run, they were just lost yeah. from top to bottom. So that could just be that. But yeah, I didn't. I don't. I'm happy that he's gone. He's not gonna be asked to carry any offensive load, and he'll he'll just be there to probably. Hold on to the ball when they're getting pressed and win the ball back. So I, I, if he can do those things, then he'll I don't be know fine. if he can do the latter. He can do the former. Sure. Um, the other uh, two signings: um, Marlon Hairston, who will be a right back. They grabbed him from Minnesota as well. Uh, he's going to be the backup right back for Harrison Awful. Um, I expect the crew to pick up a starting caliber right back either in the summer transfer window or next year, because Awful has been really, really good, but he's, like, getting old. Um, I mean, he's, he's been one of the best right backs in the league in his time in MLS, but he's, like, in his mid-30s. Um, as you know, that's a painful time. <laughs> um, the, the, I don't know. The, whatever. Uh, the last signing, sort of a surprising signing, um, the crew used their, their Young Money initiative to sign... Alex Matan, young money, a twenty or twenty-one year old uh, Romanian winger who can play on either wing or as a as a number ten. Um, so he's going to definitely get some time in one of those rotation spots, um, and could be really good. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how he plays uh, and to to see how he can integrate himself with the team. Um, the last sort of not not at real acquisition, but. Sort of pseudo acquisition is uh, 
Center back Vito Wormgore, who they signed last year, uh, got hurt first or second game of the MLS's back tournament, and now he's fully healthy. So they bring back another starting caliber uh, center back um, for this team. Uh, I mean, playoff expectations are going to be, like, make the playoffs. They, fan expectations will be another cup, but I think realistically this season uh, would be a failure if they don't make the conference finals. Um they're in the Champions League. Uh, they, the first two games are against a team out of Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Uh, so I, I think the crew should be able to win at least one of those and move on. Um, but if they move on, they're going to play Monterey. So that's tough. Uh, but, I mean, getting four Champions League games is going to be great. That's my hope. My hope is that they can make the Monterey uh, game, make those competitive um, I don't know when those games would be. I know the first game is like before MLS season starts. Second game is maybe also before the season starts or right after. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting. I I, I want to see them play Monterey and see how they can do because they they build a team that should be able to compete in the Champions League and, and we'll see if they can. Yeah, I was gonna say when looking at the the I'll, I'll switch into Champions. Uh, Champions League. I think it'll be really interesting for you guys because I think the lack of major changes in your team has a lot of built-in familiarity, which kills MLS teams in that first round pre pre uh, actual MLS season. Right? The the teams aren't I'm not saying that you guys will be at full speed and full force, but at least you guys knowing yourselves is going to help a lot. Um, those Mexican teams this year are going to be tough, right? Monterrey, Cruz Azul, Club América, and León. Like those dudes are. Are going to be tough, so it's going to be a pretty fun tournament. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how it's going to be. I agree, and it, it, the crew have the benefit of they'll have a month of preseason before playing. Um, I, I should have looked up the team from Nicaragua. I'm sorry, I didn't. Um, before they play, then they get to play Philly at home, uh, so they can sort of like slowly get it together. And if the, the weakness last year in the team was definitely depth. Their, their losing streak was during a time when they didn't have Nagby or Zillaray on. And now that they've their depth is like off the charts, I think that's what really sets them up for a deep run um, in the league and hopefully the Champions League as well. Y'all are playing Real Esteli. Yes. 18 national okay. championships. Thank you. Yeah. Really cool crust. Okay, I think that's enough uh, Columbus Crew <laughs> talk forever, because um, I'm sure we'll have more. Uh, anyway, moving on, we'll head over to uh, DC United, and Renee has the breakdown for DC United. All right, what's up, guys? Remember to hit that like, smash that subscribe button. Remember that, y'all. So I'll start off saying I don't like the East. I never like the East. <laughs> Right, so I put as much effort as I wanted to in these, just so y'all know. I know you East boys over here love it, but you get what you're going to get. All right. So DC United. DC is interesting, right? I, it, it's always, um, you know, we always joke about the, the hashtag since 96 original teams. I think DC um, and the Galaxy find themselves in a similar, similar place um, in terms of, like, "Quote unquote perennial powers." Now DC had more success earlier, right? Than than the Galaxy did, but um, there's a lot of weird 
stuff going on uh, for DC. Someone who's been watching a long time, I think you'd assume that DC would be good. Um, I think they're they're. Uh, generational fans also expect them to be good. So they're in that weird, I feel like they're in the weird zone as, as, as the galaxy are because um, they're, they're not, they're not doing great. Um, and I'm going to skip to, to my end spoiler alert. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to get out of the basement of the standings. Um, so it's, it's going to be really, really interesting for them. Um I think uh, one thing that they got for going for them are two things. They have this kid, Moses Nyman. Um, I fell into uh, highlight a highlight hole of his last night. Um, he's super young, homegrown dude, came up in the, uh, in the academy, 17-year-old, really, really fast. He's a defending midfielder, um, which I think will, will be very helpful for him. Um, but he's he's a he's a really cool kid. Really, he's from he's Liberian American. I believe he's he's uh, played for the U.S. youth teams as well. Um, so I think that's I think he's gonna be he's gonna be really really good for them. I think it's gonna um, it's gonna give their fans something something to to go on because um, you know they've they've lost they've lost some people. Um, I think the other big thing that they have going for themselves is they finally have a new coach. I think that was. And this is one of those things where you've had a, you have a coach forever. Um, I mean, they had him for like thirty years, right? Ben Olson for for like thirty years. Um, so they they finally got rid of someone, or they finally got parted ways. I think what's interesting was there was this giant hoopla over the signing of who the coach was going to be, right? Or at least I remember seeing it that way, right? They had Jill Jill Ellis. My boy Ezra was allegedly up for it. Um, the that Seattle Sounders assistant coach was up for it, and then after all that, they got Hernan Lozada, this Argentinian dude who was playing at uh, a Belgian team. Um, what I could find on this dude seems that people are like people are excited about him. Um, people see him as like a, a good up and coming coach, but I don't know what that means. I, I mean, I, I don't know much about this dude, so. Um, it was hard to get excited what to um, look into them because I, I they're just not going to do anything next year. I don't I don't see it. They're just going to be down there with Houston. I think Houston's going to spoiler alert for the next pod. I think Houston's going to be last in the West, and I think DC is going to be right there with them. That's all I got. Ben Olson coached DC for eleven years. Isn't that crazy? And was has a four six four winning percentage. Like <laughs> what are you doing? Isn't that crazy? He was he was there forever. <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't he realize he had been there that long. He was yeah. just absolutely average, if not slightly below, obviously. Yeah. No, he was he maybe, was there forever. Maybe they can sign Freddie Adu to bring some of those older fans back. <laughs> <laughs> they had to fire him, which is the crazy thing, right? Yeah. They they had to fire him for 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 him them to finally get rid of him. It wasn't like he was like, ah, you know, it's time for me to go. Nah, they had to fire his ass to get him out. Renee, do you think they spend any of the uh, Lucho Acosta money that they're so getting? So this is, this is fascinating and something that I was going to, I was going to jump in earlier with when Davis was talking about um, the Foot Clan. I think that, um, so I have two teams and I think Davis has one where there's money to be spent and there's spots to be spent. I don't know if there are people 
for that money to be spent on this summer. Sure. I could, I, you know, I just, I may not have been able to dive in that well, but um, for example, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about later, but uh, New York FC has two, D, two DP spots available uh, and a lot of gam. They got some nice gam set up for them, right? Same with, same with these dudes. I just don't, Yeah, they have it. I just don't see if they can use it. I think the big issue here that kind of I've been thinking about with teams who have like a ton of space right now is if they're not bringing in players who have a been in the MLS before or B or within their own system, it's going to be really hard to scout just because of the pandemic. Like, how are you getting down to these other leagues to get good looks at players where you feel confident enough to pay a big salary to, you know, a youthful player like, you know, I'm just thinking of some of the bigger players in MLS right now have all come from South America. Like, I don't know if I was, you know, a general manager or a football, whatever they call it, the football technician or person who scouts, you know, if I would feel comfortable just giving out tons of money if all I'm doing is watching a stream. Like, the stream of a game is a lot different than seeing someone up close and personal. And so... I wouldn't be shocked if some of these teams just kind of sat on their spots and didn't even use them in the summer transfer window and wait until the winter transfer window and hope that they can travel and see some of these people. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest, so when I was looking at it, I, I didn't know how much um, to, how much clout to give it. Right. But there's, they, they've always had that, that uh, they're like living in that uh, Ozil ghost of last year right where there was a lot of hype uh and then nothing happened um you know they they but yeah i'm right there with you brad i think it's it's they spent a lot of time trying to figure out who the hell they're gonna get to coach and then i don't know what you can do until um you can start actually going places to find it and 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 you know i know that I was big on him too, right? But you lose someone like Ariola, right? I forgot to mention him. You lose, you lose someone like Ariola, who's a big deal. Um, whether you thought he was good or not, um, he always had energy. He always had a, a good spark, either coming off the bench or even starting. So, I, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of pressure for these teams to spend money, but I don't. I, it's almost unfounded pressure. It's like the same thing with with that. I'm thinking about the Galaxy, right? Everyone's like, well, "What are they going to do?" I don't know. Who's there? Who's there to even get right? You're bringing in dudes from France right now that you're just taking a gamble. So it's a long winded answer to Colin's question. I, yeah. It's also that thing to, what was that? No. Okay. I was going to say the other thing is too, like you can kind of see teams in MLS's mentality shifting from bringing in kind of bigger, older names uh, to MLS and looking to bring in younger, more talented people from different countries and then selling them on that seems to be the more productive model and the teams that are doing well in mls have kind of been doing that for a while or bringing in not huge names that you've necessarily heard of from europe but uh better smarter players that like make more of a fit sense especially since the ml seasons a a grind and b just the travel is insane so yeah um i think we've been over that quite a bit but uh no, we'll and, keep and, this moving along. Sorry. Just oh, one, go ahead. One quick, yeah, one very quick thing. When, yeah. when, when I was looking at the Areola thing, they, um, what? They, uh, 
had a had a bit of an interview the post did with the general manager and he, and not a, you know it could be the general manager downplaying the expectations but even the Casper the friendly ghost was like yeah I think we have a I think we have a good good squad right now I don't think we needed to make any big changes um, it's not true but we'll see all right uh, just kind of keeping this rolling along uh, so we can keep this nice and tight. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, Hell is Real Part 2, FC Cincinnati. Colin, take us away. Yes, uh, Cincinnati, one of the other teams that actually did add players this year. Um, I, you know, I was thinking about their most critical player or, or their the ad, most critical aspect of this team. It's, it's hard to, to determine that because they were so terrible last year. Um, <laughs> back-to-back seasons as the worst team in the league. I, nothing is... It's critical. Um, it looks like Yapstam maybe has some interesting ideas at least. So I guess they've got that going for them. Um, but you know, I, who even knows what formation he's going to run? They did a four-two-three-one. They didn't. You know, it's who knows. Um, so I, I think that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they look like this year. Whether they say, "Yep, we're ready to compete." To tr- I mean, they're not ready to compete, realistically, but whether they're ready to try to compete um, or whether they continue to try to just, like, play for respectability. Um, I-, I think the the other issue that they've got is uh, Frankie Amaya, who I don't really – I've never really rated him, um, but a lot of people clearly do. Uh, when there were some – there were some rumors this offseason that – you know, some Nagby level transfer or uh, interleague transfer fees were offered, um, which seems totally shocking to me because he is not Darlington Nagby, um, but he's also much younger than Nagby. Um, and since they turned those down, and then Amaya and his agent just straight up said, trade me, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that with, with him probably being gone. I think he's on the U20 in the Olympic team. Um, I might be wrong about that. But... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how they manage all of that, whether he's with the team as the season goes on or not. Um, their biggest loss in this offseason was probably Andrew Gutman. Uh, I, I like him. I think he's solid. Um, he's, he's not very old. Uh, he's 24, so he's kind of entering his like make-or-break portion of his career. Um, you know, he was with Celtic, as Davis mentioned. Uh, couldn't get a work permit, so he was like bouncing around to MLS. Um, and, and was, was pretty interesting with Cincinnati. Uh, he definitely lacked the final product, so it'll be interesting to see if Red Bull can fix that. Um, still, though, he was replaced with, uh, with Matrita, who uh, comes over from New York City FC. Um, Matrita's really solid, a really solid left back. Um, so I think that's definitely... If not an upgrade, that's like a lateral move, so they're not going to lose anything there, and they'll still, they sh- still should be strong up the left side. Um, they also grabbed a young Brazilian striker named Brenner. Um, that was a huge deal when when they when they made the signing. He's this really young player. Um, I don't know if he, I don't think he can fit in the young money initiative. I think he's just going to be straight up a DP. Um, but. I mean, in, in sort of classic Cincinnati fashion, uh, they made they made Brenner out to be this huge signing, which he was. I think they paid fifteen million dollars for him in a transfer fee. They made it look like you know they they did this announcement video where he was Tinder swiping on like PSG and Arsenal and a bunch of teams, 
because his agent convinced Cincinnati that all of these teams were making offers for him. And then once the signing was done, The Athletic did this hilariously petty report that said actually none of this was true, (laughs) that his agent and Sao Paulo just used all of this interest to uh, get a bunch of money out of Cincinnati. Um, So that's really funny to me. Uh, Hey, man, get hustled. Don't hate the game. Oh, no, I don't, I don't blame it. I just think it's hilarious. Like, good for them to do that. And Cincinnati's got to oh, be yeah. smarter than that. And they've got to figure out how to not get hustled by, by, uh, by agents. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how good he is. I have no clue if he's going to be good. Uh, he's, he's a little bit more of a – he's not a creator. So he's just – he's more of a finisher. So they're going to – you know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to set himself up for goals. And that's a little bit problematic when Cincinnati has nothing behind him. Um, that said, they did just add uh, Lucho Acosta, who was very, very good when he was in MLS uh, a couple years ago, um, playing with Rain, Wayne Rooney. Um, he had a really good season. There were PSG tried to buy him for I think twelve million dollars or twelve million euros. DC said no, and then everything fell apart with uh, Acosta his form going down. Then I think he finally got sold to a team in the, I think it was the Saudi Arabian league. Uh, he ended up at Atlas in Mexico and uh, is now joining Cincinnati. So if he can, if he can regain his form, that's going to be really big for them uh, to have a nice creative player uh, behind Brenner to, to feed Brenner. Um, but otherwise, you know, that's really it. They didn't add a lot more. Um, there's still no depth on this season or on this team. They've got uh, Jurgen Locaria from the Netherlands, who was a huge signing last year and was absolutely dreadful uh, for Cincinnati. I, Cincinnati wants to end his loan, but I don't know if they can. Um, I, I think they, he, he played just enough where they were obligated to buy him. I think. I might be wrong on that. Um <laughs> But it's just, he's just bad. He's not good. He's very clearly not up to snuff in MLS. And maybe maybe he'll turn around, probably won't. Um, but we'll see where he goes from there. Uh, I still think maybe I'm, like, I, I've said all this, and I, I, I had Cincinnati as probably, like, being on the fringe, six, seven, eight, sneaking into the playoffs. If everything goes well, yes, I think they'll be able to get as high as a six seed. But if Lucho Acosta is just not the if, – if, if he's the guy he was his last season in D.C., they're not going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a frustrating team that um, can't create and can't score goals. So it'll it'll depend. If, if everything goes perfectly, I think they're a six seed. Um, and that's not much more you can ask for for them. You know, they've got a brand new stadium that's opening uh, first week of the season or something like that or second week. Um, so we'll see. I just I, I, I think they'll I think they'll, they'll be in the playoff hunt if everything goes well, but we'll see if they actually make it. Uh, anyone thing, else have it? Oh, go ahead. I was just say one cool thing, not so much about the about the FC Cincinnati thing. One thing that I was thinking as I was looking at this, and and each one of us has brought up, and it may. Maybe worth doing a separate episode because we we have a, more teams left today. I think it's going to be interesting with all the tournaments that are going on this summer, how that's going to affect these teams more so than I think in the past. Um, there's just a ton. I even saw, and and not only that, right? Teams are going to play more. National teams are going to find a spot, probably in the U.S. 
to play more often outside of those tourneys just to get playing time, right? I think Mexico, there was a thing that if, like, if Mexico got their way, they'd play, like, 15 or 18 games in the U.S. this this summer. Um, so it, I think it's going to be interesting to see what it does for these teams, especially these these young dudes. Um, so something for, something for a future state, but I feel like every single one of us has either talked or alluded to some sort of even Olympic um, stuff at best. The only thing I'm gonna I'll add is something that we that Brene brought up actually when he was talking about DC, uh, and I think we've all sort of mentioned is that so since he's made their acquisitions good acquisitions you know whether they pan out or not is left to be seen but they made good acquisitions in the off season, not a lot of teams did. I I'm super interested to see if teams are gonna spend in the summer or if they're like like Brad said and put very well that they're like, we can't scout. We're not wasting our money. We will do this next year. Like this is about another season of getting it done, keeping our costs low. And then who knows winter of, you know, this next winter transfer window might be a little uh, crazy. All right. Well, I think that'll kind of wrap up FC Cincinnati and some interesting points. I think, yeah, I, feel like Cincinnati is kind of like Chicago where there's like a positive, but like if things don't go right, it's going to be bad. Um, so should be interesting in that way. Uh, moving on to our next squad, uh, Inner Miami, uh, and I have them. I uh, guess we should call them Investigation Miami right now. Um, so I think... <laughs> realistically the most critical aspect right now is how is this mls investigation going to go uh with the signing of matui uh that's really not great look for them right now um so they have all of that baggage um outside of that i think miami's kind of been active um this whole they're one of the few teams who have been active um they signed iguain and maybe Matui, um, which if they get both of those players will make a pretty big difference, I imagine, for them going forward. Um, Low-key, I think their most critical thing they did this offseason was they brought in uh, Chris Henderson to be their general manager. Um, he was the head scout person for Seattle. He brought in Ladero. He brought in um, like pretty much anyone you can think of on Seattle. He was kind of the scout for that. Um, he is going to bring a lot of stability to their organization and help them build out, I feel, smart. Um, it As a Seattle fan, it sucks to see him leave. Like most Seattle fans know exactly who this guy is, which says a lot since he wasn't their general manager. Uh, but Seattle has Garth Lagerway, and he's been phenomenal. He was really good for RSL. He's been amazing for yeah, Seattle. There just was nowhere for Chris to move up within the organization, even though he's from the Seattle area. Uh, so I, I'm hoping he does really well for Inter um, and, you know, continues on his successful trajectory. Um, so I think that's kind of like, I don't know if Miami fans will feel this way, but I think that's their biggest thing they did this offseason was bringing in a technical director, someone who's going to help them like really figure things out and move forward and build like a sustainable, what I consider a sustainable quality MLS team for years to come. And I feel like Chris Henderson will do that. Um, like I mentioned, uh, they have brought in Iguain and Matuti. Um, I think 
originally I thought Will Trap was going to be a big loss for them. Uh, but if the Matuti signing goes through, um, I don't know how big of a loss because they play the same position it is. I think Will Trapp is an excellent player. He has a ton of MLS experience. He understands the league. And so having him there for that reason is great. But I don't know if any of us would say he's a better overall player uh, than Madhui, who they brought in. But um, I think it'll be an adjustment for uh, some of their bigger signings in MLS. Just the travel, the schedule, um, just the way MLS games are officiated. We've seen this a lot from people coming from Europe. They say it's it's a it's a whole different league. It's it's way different than what they expect. Um, so I I could see. Miami kind of starting off slow and then figuring it out as the year goes on. I think they will be uh, a playoff team. I think Phil Neville is going to be an excellent coach. Um, I I don't know like where they're going to fall in the playoff. I have no idea. I think they'll make it, and I think they they could be an actual threat in the playoff if things just kind of break their way. Um, they're just they're going to be a very interesting team. I feel like they're like a team that if they're playing and like, a you know, my team's not playing, like I might just flip it on to see what's going on with them. I think they're going to be that kind of team where you're just kind of casually going to be interested as an outsider to see eh, how's this working out? How's this experiment working out for them? Um, Cause we've seen teams bring in big European signings and it's just not panned out. It's been terrible. Um, so it could be that, or it could be, you know, they did what the galaxy did for, you know, the, early 2010s and all their big European signings are phenomenal and they just look like world beaters. So, um, high upside. I still think their bottom is still like a low playoff team. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to chime in for Miami with the investigation or anything? I'm excited to watch Ryan Shawcross sweat and be terrible, but he is (laughs) going to be an absolute failure. Like what a, what an awful signing. He yeah. was really good 10 years ago. Yeah. He's just going to be so sweaty. <laughs> I mean, it. If, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, Miami's, ugh. If they can it's going to be a swampy mess. If they can keep Matuidi with the Tam, then they'll have who? Pellegrini, that Mateus Pellegrini could... Gonzalo Higuain, and who else is their DP? Who's their oh, other DP? Um, Mexican national uh, team player. Yeah. Canada? Am, am I going okay. there? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really weird if the TAM signing doesn't work out because they got rid of Will Trapp assuming they were going to get him, and I don't know who their defensive mid player is going to be. And that'll cause obviously a lot of issues. Rodolfo Pizarro, sorry, not Pineda. Okay. Excuse me. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing we haven't really touched on this. Uh, we've only done one other Canadian team, but obviously the Canadian teams are playing in the U.S. Uh, to start the season. I don't know when they'll be going back to their normal home stadiums, but I believe Miami's sharing their stadium and facilities with uh, Montreal. Um, so that's that's just kind of an interesting dynamic. I think we often think, or at least I often think of these situations and I think of it, how it affects the Canadian team being away from home. Uh, but it's also going to have a huge impact on those home teams sharing their facilities with, you know, 
a team that's not normally there. Um, so that'll be pretty interesting. Um, I assume that like they'll do their training elsewhere, maybe at the University of Miami, Montreal, um, but they will be playing their games at the Miami Stadium. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that works out for both those teams. So one yeah. one quick thing on the investigation. Um, I was listening to Allocation Disorder, the uh, Paul Tenorio, Sam Stegical podcast. Uh, that's very good. Um, and they mentioned that there's really no reason for MLS to announce an investigation in, into essentially into themselves unless they're going to punish Miami. Um, and then if they punish Miami, <laughs> what can they do? Because Miami's full of DPs. They played a full season, potentially out of roster compliance. So are they going to say, figure it out, or and you can't play one of these guys? Like happened to the Galaxy with um, Zlatan and Gio Dos Santos? Or are they going to say, oops, last year was bad, now he's a DP, sorry, uh, let's move forward. Um, just it's weird because, you know, you're announcing your you're investigating yourself more or less. Um, you know, one of the owners, but it's a it's a um, you know the league essentially owns every team. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird situation where I have to imagine something's going to come down, but it's awfully close to the season starting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think I was, uh, I was trying to figure out like oh. what what are they what are they even going to. What are you gonna? What's your punishment? Yeah, I, I I don't know. You get fined. It's probably just gonna be a bull ban and some loss of scholarships. Uh, so <laughs> they're probably gonna shave know, normal standards. Shave stuff. What, David Beckham's head. Yeah. What if they move? Yeah. <laughs> what if they move Mateus Pellegrini to the youth initiative? I don't think they can. Um, <laughs> let me look at his. It depends on his age. Can they use he's, Tam? He's young to, enough. Can but, they use Tam to buy out? I think Pellegrini makes too much money to be. Yeah, I was like, there's a cap on that. To be so. um, like his salary is too high. Not can they use Tam to buy like to buy that out to like lessen that? I don't know if they can use Tam to lessen that and then put him on the salary thing. I, but that's, a, that's we're all trying to fix inner Miami's problems. Yeah, yeah, that's Beckham a, that's, yeah, will be forced to wear dreads again for an entire year. <laughs> that's the punishment. Love it. Yeah, it, it's going to be weird, but uh, yeah, I think if all things work out and I think they have a high high ceiling, so we'll keep this moving. Uh, I know that we're on a time crunch, so moving on, Nashville, Davis, hit us with Smashville, go. All right, Nashville will get all the time they deserve, which is nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I, so... Okay, moving on, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville with their new crest that... Uh... Is super duper average, uh, and their new stadium, which is also super duper cookie cutter. Um, I do believe that Nashville will be probably the second best team out of the Midwest. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that they're going to be right underneath their, their neighbors, uh, Columbus. Um, in that Midwestern geographic region. Can someone cut his mic? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, no, Nashville, um, David Ackham and Derek Jones left, but they re-signed Eric Miller as a fullback um, for either one. And then they signed a really young Uruguayan winger named Rod- Excuse me, Rodrigo Pinero. And I could find this much on him. And by the way, because this is audio and not visual, I'm holding up zero. Um, and they brought in CJ Sapong. Um, 
so really the you know they 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 brought in yonder cadiz from or i think it's cadiz from um portugal benfica last summer and um uh handwala buana as well but like they didn't they didn't do anything last at the end of the last year after they came to nashville so really i'm not quite sure if cadiz and sapong are gonna be playing up front together if with like pinero on the wing and um one on the wing or something i, I i'm not quite sure how nashville is gonna look but uh they're gonna uh, just like i guess the rest of the teams that y'all gave me they are gonna do that wonderful counterattack thing that they did last year um they're gonna sit back rely on their defense and, and try to pinch it um, one nil. Um, CJ Sapong and um, Buana are probably better fit for that than anything else. Um, so, you know that they may they may have that working for them. Um, but well, I think a lot will determine on that Uruguayan kid because I mean everything else with Nashville is pretty well settled. It's really how how they're going to create and, and get goals. So. Um, if that Rodrigo Pinero is any good, then Nashville, I think, could actually be um, pretty decent in the East. Uh, but they're, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're 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 built for it. What did I miss? Did I miss anything on them? I don't think so. Does anyone have any thoughts? It's outside of hilarious to me that Nashville build themselves as like the Moneyball team. Like all of MLS isn't a money ball team aside <laughs> from three, three different yeah, teams. Yeah, right. Um, but they're they're good. I hate their coach Gary Smith because he more or less killed the potential crew dynasty of the two thousand eight, nine ten era. But yeah, I guess my only question is how much does Sapong have left? He's getting older. I mean, so it'll be interesting. But like you said, on a counter counter attacking team, like how much does he need? And we left you those teams, Davis, because you're so used to watching parked buses from all your Chelsea oh, no, years. Right? So, Seriously. Got him. There was a strategy to this. Got him. I just wanted to keep it familiar for you. Yeah, I was like, oh, so, I know I know how these teams will play. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, yeah, I couldn't find any teams who the sit their best player. So, Colin, to your point, but don't they have Dollar General? Aren't they part of the Dollar General, like, grift? Don't they have that money? Is that where Nashville? Nashville's money comes from? I have no idea. I have no clue. I oh, I, heard, I thought this I thought was thought just a black and gold Nashville's, thing. They're not. No, they're like, as they they just wanted to compete until they build a stadium, and then they'll mm-hmm. spend money. Like the same thing, many uh, Minnesota did, except they were terrible until they got a stadium. Um, so we'll see. Same with Cincinnati. All right. All right. We'll keep this flowing then. Uh, moving on to the New England Revolution. Colin, take us away. That's me. Um spoiler alert, I guess it's not a spoiler if I'm doing it now. I think new England's really good. Uh, they made the Eastern conference finals until last it year matters. against the crew. Exactly. They're really good until it matters. Um, lost one to nothing. Couldn't score. Um, the, the, I mean, the most critical aspect of the team is that they have a solid manager. Um, even if he's a little bit past his time in Bruce arena, um, Spruce playing a, a weird sort of four, two, three, one with, uh, with three strikers, um, TL Bunbury, sort of a converted striker winger, um, Gustavo Boo sitting, sitting ostensibly in the number 10 spot, but acting as, you know, one of two big, tall strikers. Um, and then Carlos Skeel, who is really, really good if he can stay healthy. 
um, as that sort of creative uh, midfielder, just tucked on the right and cutting in. Um, I uh, I didn't watch a ton of uh, New England last year until the playoffs came, which I watched a lot of them and really, really liked the way they played. Um, Carlos Gill makes them tick. If, if he's healthy, then they will compete. Um, they will score goals. Uh, they will be organized. Um, but health is, is tough for him. He came off a pretty significant injury last year and did benefit from all of the time off uh, during the pandemic so that, so that he could uh, re- recuperate from that. Um, behind him, uh, Gustavo Boo, one of their designated players, uh, had, a, had a solid season. Um, I think he was a little disappointing in the playoff, mostly just coming from how poorly he played against Columbus. Um, but he still scored quite a few goals in the playoffs. Um, he's, he's not great against better teams, but he will score goals against teams he should. Um, and then the other, the player I really, really like, uh, from New England is Adam Buska or Buxa, who is their huge six foot three, uh, Polish striker, uh, who can play like a winger. Um, he can dribble well, he can, he's really fast. Um, he had six goals last year. I think this year he's going to be pushing that 10 goal, uh, area and if you've got three players who can be as good as uh buksa boo and Giel, that's a really really good uh mls team um matt turner again their goalie uh one of the best shot stoppers in the league statistically can he keep doing that i don't know but you know he's there um player acquisition player losses this last year i don't really think they lost anyone of note um in games, they, they added Emma Boateng, who is familiar with, uh, very familiar with Bruce Arena and who is more of a traditional winger, which they, they didn't really have one. Um, they, I guess they lost Diego Fagundes technically to Austin, but he had really fallen out of favor recently there. Um, they, they pulled in a young Cameroonian player, 24 years old, named uh, Wilfred Kaptoum, uh, who's from the Samuel Eto'o Academy. Um, and from Barcelona's academy. That said, he was available on a free transfer from Real Betis at 24 years old. So, who knows? <laughs> who knows what you're going to get there when you're getting a, a player, you know, at that sort of that age for free. Um, but again, it's it's a free transfer, so it's not like all they're all they're out is his salary. Um, the other one is AJ De La Garza, who I, I had written in my notes that AJ is old. Uh, Love AJ. I do too, but he's he's old, but he's also like two months younger than I am. So he's he's 33 years old. Um, he's a really good MLS defender, uh, consistent. Um, so I, I think he'll if if he's not a starter, he will definitely make that team better, um, nonetheless. Again, I I think as with most teams, depth is their downfall. Um, if if they're healthy this year, I think New England uh, competes for the Supporters Shield and wins the East in the regular season. Uh, I, I think, you know, they're not in Champions League. They're not going to have a lot of players going off in national duty, aside from Turner, um, which I think is really going to benefit them as the season goes on. And that's why I have them uh, taking the one seed in the East in the playoffs this year. All right. Anyone have any thoughts on New England? Yield is amazing, but they're not going to be first columbus is going to run away with it columbus could i just i there are so many tournaments this year 
And Colin, no one's looking for your humble pie, all right? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, enough. I, I, the crew is second in the East. I think the crew are going to win MLS Cup again, but I think they're going to be second in the East just because of uh, schedule congestion and players mm-hmm. out. That's it. And and also because the crew are going to play like 14 home games from July onward. That's the other big issue. They're going to miss so many, which I didn't mention in my crew preview. They're going to mention so many, miss so many home games early in the season. And they won zero last year, so that's why. Yeah, as I remember, pressure's gonna be on. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I remember when the Galaxy played like half a season way back before Home Depot was open. It just sucks to start on the road that much. Yeah, and then you're and then you're playing catch up. It's bad. Yep. All right. Well, we'll keep this moving along. We'll start with uh, the first of the two New York teams. Uh, Renee, do you want to start with NYC? Yeah, uh, I'll um, I'll try to keep it quick because i know davis has got to go again don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button don't forget your boy sent you so this one was a this one was interesting um new york city fc i don't know i don't watch the new york teams that much um it was interesting as i dove in to see the expectations that they have because they're kind of through the roof uh, from their fans it's kind of it's kind of nuts a lot of the stuff that i saw was a lot of their fans uh, being cranky uh, with them. So the first thing, um, uh, losses. They, they, everything that I've seen is people are pissed that they, there haven't been any signings. Um, and they're coupled with they've lost like a lot of good people. So they traded their captain to Austin. It's me, Austin. And then they're starting left back, Matarita, uh, to FC Cincinnati. Um, they lost two... Big players. Now they got some games out of that, but um, again, what are you, what are you going to do with that? The other stuff that I'm seeing is that their their fans are also feeling a little bummed because there was a rumor um, to get Franco Servi, and then for 10 mil, and he turned them down. Um, again, we just you know we've had conversations about how money money is interesting in, in MLS, so their their fans were like, well. Why isn't someone going to take 10 mil to, to come to us? Uh, I read this interesting article about um, their expectations, right? Number one, they've been waiting for a stadium forever. Um, it's interesting to see all the other expansion teams, you know, talking about stadiums, getting good till they get a stadium. But those dudes have been um, waiting for, for uh, a stadium forever. Now, with that said, it's interesting. There's a lot of money on them to, to be good. Um, at least from, from what I saw, I saw, I was seeing some odds putting them in, in fourth overall. Um, but I, I alluded to it, to it earlier, right? These dudes have two open DP slots, uh, and a ton of, of gam. So, um, the unfortunate thing is they need a, they need a striker. I forgot to, to mention, um, it's, it's not really an off season loss, but they lost a bear last year to an ACL tear. Um, so he's going to be slow to, to, to coming back. Um, so they need a striker and they need a striker now. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if it's out there and if they're going to wait. So, um, it's going to be interesting for them. I think they have a lot of expectations. I think they have a good core, um, and they definitely have some reserves and space to, to get scary. Um, but I just don't know if they, if they can or will. Their fans are pissed. It was just like... (laughs) blogs and Twitter about their fans just being cranky at them. 
they're sort of in that weird between stage where they, you know, they were really good with, uh, with, um, gosh, I'm, my mind is totally Via. blank. With yeah, David yeah. Via, and then they were, they stayed really solid and <laughs> were competed for a supporter shield. Yeah, and now it's like they're I think wisely moving on from that team and, and doing something else, and it might be another year before they can do much. But City's got the uh, the scouting group to really take advantage of that young money. Yeah, good. Young money. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, of all the clubs that are most successful or like have the best chance for success as they transition, like the two New York teams are at a crazy advantage because they're built into an existing system of scouts elsewhere. Um, so City is obviously New York City FC is obviously tied to I don't know the actual name the City Group I'm gonna call it so they're tied with like Manchester City I think there's a team in the Australian Premier League um, and then the Red Bulls are tied to all the Red Bull uh, teams so uh, so they have like a, a I feel like a chill out. yeah I know for real uh, so they have an advantage in that kind of situation you know, so it's interesting though because like. It's interesting that you mentioned that because my my Red Bulls thing is kind of like a the flip of that um, <laughs> about how it's it's it can be a hindrance. But I'll, I'll I'll wait to see if there's more on on New York FC. Well, what a perfect transition! Let's yeah, move let's to the New York Red Bulls. <laughs> I think what's interesting about that, Brad, is um, so I'll just get to it. Caden Clark, right? He's he's a super big deal. Um, What's up, Crow? The Crow agrees, right? I think there's a lot of lot of hype on Caden Clark, um, but the big thing is that this may be his last year with the New York Red Bulls because uh, the Leipzig uh, Arby's restaurant is gonna want him, right? So it's it's that it's that flip side of what you're talking about, um, Brad. Where, yeah, they do have a really good, um, they have a really good base there to you know a good team behind them to use it but the flip side of it is they can also take your really good players um and that's the fear that that i've been saying here is that there's a fear that they're that they're going to lose this guy after after this year um there's also interestingly enough you know there's there's a lot of hype behind um his coach uh or their new coach i'm cheating them as being the 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 game because he played one game last season um, or he coached one game last season. And the crew did their did their thing um, in so, the playoffs. What a yeah, time. in the playoffs. What a time to start, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's rough um, against a super hot Columbus team. So I'm going to use them as as the thing that that uh, um, as their biggest game because we'll see again. We'll see what they do. The, there's his Barnsley team was pretty good in the championship in the championship. Um, known as a good defender, so they're they're expecting a little bit of the same in, in New York. But everything that I was finding was that Caden Clark thing. The, this is the year for him to uh, make a case for himself. But the double edged sort of that is that they they may lose him. So um, it was interesting that you said that because that's one thing that I'd never thought of and I hadn't seen in a while of a, a player being so good that they just gets removed out of the MLS. Yeah, the Red Bull system is a little different than the City system in that way too. In that I feel like there's like easier tiers to move up where the city tier for New York City, like it's going to be pretty hard for an MLS player to stand out so much that city yeah. with their infinite money in the EPL wants to bring someone in. Saying that though, they obviously brought in an MLS keeper a couple years ago. So 
just oddly enough, not from New York City. Um, <laughs> That's true. But yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see what happens with the Red Bulls. Do you have any other final thoughts on Red Bull before we move to the next squad or you're pretty satisfied? No, I'm good. I, again, it, it, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, a team cheering for a player, but also sort of falling on their own so, sword while they do it. Who's going to score their goals? I don't know. <sighs> Who's going to score any goals in the city of New York? That's I well at least NY FC has the money and space to go find that striker, right? I think that's everything that I'm that I'm seeing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, every, that's that's the other thing for the um, NYCFC, right? Every single thing that I'm reading about them is they need a striker. They need a goal scorer. Same thing here. Um, and it's it's a weird it's a weird um, pressure that's being put on this on this kid of being good because uh, like. Everything that I was reading, he was like number one or number two of, of what their season's gonna be because he's a young Oof. young attacker. But it's like, are you gonna have this kid do everything? He's like eighteen. Yeah. So interesting. But I'm good. Yeesh. Might be fun follow just to kind of see what happens with them for sure. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, if he, um, if he can if he can uh, you know live up to the hype, that's gonna be a lot. All right. Well, we have three teams left in the East, so we'll just kind of keep things rolling. I believe up next is Orlando City. Orlando. Colin? Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, you gave me four teams, and I had at least three uh, good ones and three potential playoff teams. Um, the, the, the most critical aspect of Orlando is Oscar Perea. He has been successful everywhere he has gone in MLS, um, not necessarily at winning championships, but at making teams that can compete uh, and that can um, get the best out of their players. He is one of the best man managers uh, that that exist in MLS. And he gets the absolute best out of almost all of his players. Um, losses, uh, I think the big one, and I'm going to save this one, is potentially uh, Daryl DK. Um, additions, the only real addition of note is uh, Alexandre Pato, from Brazil, um, who's going to play as sort of an attacking player somewhere along the, the front three. Um, but who even knows if he's any good? You know, he's, I, th I think it was Grant Wall that said on Twitter recently that he's the Brazilian Freddie Adu. You know, he was this player who was crowned as being the next great Brazilian. Um, played with Chelsea, played with, uh, I think, AC Milan as well. And just, you know, all these years later is 31 years old and... Uh, wasn't that good. You know, he, he did score. He scored with AC Milan. I think he scored 51 goals in 117 games, um, which is solid. You know, it's nothing to write home about, but it's solid. Um, and then with Chelsea, he played in two matches and scored one goal. So I think he's got, he's got the potential, um, but he's 31. You know, I don't, I don't know what else is left for a guy who's 31, except maybe to come into MLS and, and do uh, what he did in China, where he scored 30 goals in 47 47 games um that's I insane i don't think you can just walk into mls and do that uh but i do know that um orlando loves brazilian players uh so that should help um they still have nani nani was really good last year probably his best season in the league uh and i don't see him getting worse um you know he's he's getting older but he's i think nani's like deceptively young uh like early 30s if i'm if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, he's 34. I think so. he's like 31. 34. A little bit, a little bit older oh, okay. than I thought, um, but he's still good. Um, he was interesting last year because it 
I don't know. To me, it felt like he kind of figured out MLS last year. Totally. Agree. Like, and took a step. Like, his first year, he looked, I don't know, disjointed almost. But last year, I, it felt like he really figured out how to play in MLS, and he looked much better. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it's he, – he wasn't sort of – he was played as a creative winger instead of their number 10. You know, they've got Mauricio Pereira. I uh, cannot pronounce his name. Mauricio <laughs> – Pereira, uh, who is really good, uh, number 10, um, likes to cut in as well, but but really does play in that sort of uh, attacking midfielder role to take a little bit of the creative work off of Nani and let Nani uh, stay forward um, more, which is helpful. Uh, you know, they've got some, some pretty good striker depth as well with Benji Michel, uh, who will get some uh, potential U.S. youth national team time. Um Young center midfielder whose name is escaping me now, who I believe is playing with the U.S. in the uh, U23 um, games coming up for the Olympic qualifying, was Colombian, switched to the U.S. national team, uh, which is a good grab for the United States. Um, but uh, And I'm, I'm leaving the DK discussion off until the end because I think that's something everyone's going to have a little bit to say on. But uh, I think Orlando's good. I, think, I don't think they are worse than last year. Um, I think they may make – Pato may make them a little bit better. And uh, Oscar Perea is uh, a good enough manager that he will continue to get his system in uh, and, and the team will continue to improve. I, I think they're going to be um, not worse than they were last year, which last year they were the four seed, but they were tied with the crew on points. I think the crew had a better points per game, so they won the um, – they got the three spot – uh, and I don't see them as being any worse than that. I think they're going to be three or four. Um, they're going to compete. I don't. I, I think they're once again going to have a playoff flameout, which Oscar Perea is, uh, you know, tends to do. Um, but but I think they're going to they're going to be a top contender in the East again. Um, so the the last part uh, with Orlando is. Daryl DK, their their striker last year, um, didn't play a ton for them. Uh, but was very, very good when he did play. Uh, he um, is currently on loan with Barnsley and has scored, I think, two goals. Uh, and according to some reports this week, was the subject of a $10 million offer from a top six club in the Premier League that Orlando has turned down. Um, so the question that Orlando has is, Will Daryl DK ever play for Orlando again? Um, they're they're saying yes, he's coming. This is just a loan. He's going to be back in the off season. Barnsley says that they have a an affordable uh, buy option if they want to buy him. Um, but I don't know. You know, it's 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 a question of was Orlando crazy for turning down this ten million dollar offer? Um, I, I think I, that's what what I thought earlier this week. But the more I think about it, you know. If the, if this is what he's done and what they've seen in two with only two goals, is a Premier League team going to just drop that valuation come summer transfer window, or will that continue to go up and potentially get to like fifteen million? Um, for MLS transfers, uh, teams get ninety five percent of the transfer fee. They can convert up to one million of that in GAM. So, or if Orlando wants money, they've got it. But really, anything. Yeah anything above a million isn't going to make their team better aside from paying some transfer fees. So I don't, I think the DK portion is the most interesting 
um, like talking point with Orlando. And, you know, the more I think about it, the less crazy I think it is for them to turn that offer down now when, you know, I just don't see uh, if a team is changing their valuation of a guy that quickly, you know, from now into the summer, then it seems like maybe that initial valuation was a little off. You know, one thing that I found interesting, and, and I know we sometimes joke about like the media and soccer and stuff. One thing that I found interesting when, when that stuff was going down is I was like, well, I don't really watch Burnsley, so I'm going to Google this dude. And if you look at like the history of articles, right, it's like a week ago, at least on like random blogs, DK hype, because he's been playing really well, right? Mm-hmm. So he his hype goes from like zero to 100 super fast. And then like a day after the article, the stuff starts popping up of the, of the $10 million stuff. So I don't know if it's happy coincidence or if it's the agent or, or, or what trying to drive up, um, not to say that, I mean, he's scoring goals, right? Two or three, right? He's, he's scoring goals. Um, but it was, that's what I found fascinating to me is that like, I went from not really hearing about this dude, and maybe that's on me, um, to a bunch of uh, him popping up a a bunch, and then all of a sudden this $10 million thing showed up. I think that's fair. Um, And honestly, the only reason I paid much attention to him is because uh, I was listening to some podcast last year that was like singing his praises as a super draft. a super draft pick that Orlando took and then plugged into their lineup and was really, really successful. Um, I mean, I, I think the obvious comparisons um, are like a Josie Altador type, but Altador is much more likely to play as a sort of uh, kind of force himself into a false nine role because he wants the ball and wants to be creative. Um, and DK like really does play in a kind of like a basketball player, if you ever watch him, um, there was, there was a play, uh, with Barnsley recently where he just like, he literally boxes out a guy, which is something you don't see that often. Like instead of waiting for the ball, he moves the guy first and then gets the ball. And it's really, you know, he's, he's really attuned to, to that portion of his game and has just got such a lethal shot too, that who knows? I, I think, I, I think Orlando is going to make a lot of money off him this summer. Is it is it DK or, or Dyke? DK. Because right. I saw no, the only reason I asked is because I saw there was a BBC thing that said that the headline was Dyke the Tyke, and yeah. I was like, "What are we doing here?" The, yeah, Reddit was like, "This is ridiculous. You're mis- you're screwing up his name and giving him the worst nickname." <laughs> DK the TK, I think, is what they were going for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, let's uh, keep the ball rolling. We'll move to the last two teams. I will keep it quick for everyone. Uh, First up is Philadelphia Union. Um, I think Philadelphia is interesting in that last year they won the Supporter Shield. Um, There was a lot of high hopes. Well, I guess they won the Supporter Captain America Shield um, and then got the real thing eventually. Uh, But... They were a lot of high hopes going into the playoffs. They were playing really well. Um, and then they just kind of flamed out. Um, I believe they lost to the Revs, who, as we've talked about, are actually a really good team. Um, so might not be as bad as it seemed. Um, for me, the most critical thing for them is just Andre Blake. Um, I mean, he was playing at a very exceptional level last year. 
And if he continues to do that, Philadelphia will continue to be good. Um, the big question, though, is where is the goal scoring going to come from? Um, they lost Aronson, who is currently tearing it up uh, in Europe. Um, so obviously, big loss there. And they also lost Mark McKenzie. Um, so I guess, really, they're going to need a lot from... Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Casper Prizavelko? Anyone? know how to pronounce that nope yep okay well he's their main striker so they're gonna need a lot from him um i think they're gonna continue to do what they do well which is they're always kind of been a stingy good defensive team i think they'll continue to do that um you know they have had the same manager uh jim Curtin, forever um and he's just kind of you know his players will stick to his strategy there's not a lot of change there um I think they'll be in the playoff, but I don't see them making a super deep run unless Andre Blake, I guess, goes like supernova and just like no one can score on them. But uh, yeah, anyone have any quick thoughts on that or anything I missed? It just seems to me like they got worse by losing two of their best players and didn't add any. Yep. Aside from yeah. some, some, some youth signings, which is great, but I mean, you're not going to like... I, they're, I don't think they're going to win this for shield. Yeah, I think Philadelphia fans justifiably can be mad at their front office right now. I mean, they won their first trophy ever last year and then immediately got worse and did nothing to nothing to make it better. And it's not like they didn't know. I mean, in the playoffs, it was already known that Aronson was going to be gone as yeah. soon as the playoffs were over. Um, so just interesting decisions i guess for philly um I'm, I'm looking all right at philly's roster and they have a, a dude jose martinez whose uh nickname is listed on their roster as el brujo nice that's very cool all right i mean i, I was gonna go back to to what to your point though i, I think you, the union may be in on what davis was trying to say earlier and i think was alluded in here is if if the east just seems super 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 top heavy um so you get third or fourth and you're Gucci, right? Then you're just playing the gamble into the playoffs. And I think the union may have just seen that and been like, cool, we got a supporter shield. Awesome. We're fine just sneaking in because I think this is going to be good, right? So at, at this point, I think you just need to be good to get into those playoffs. I don't think anyone, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I think Columbus has the giant insane hype. Um, and I think everyone else is just looking to get into the playoffs. And I think you can pretty easily it's if you're up there. Game. All the playoffs are one game. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I think I think the Union are still are still good enough. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll move to the final team from the East, Toronto. Um, I I went back and forth on Toronto a lot. Um, I for a while I was like, oh, it's Toronto. They'll just continue to do what they do and they'll be fine. And then I'm like, actually, they're pretty old now, and like injuries can play a huge part for them. They're not playing at home. I I can't get a read on Toronto. I'm just going to be honest. I think that they could be in the playoff, but I could also see them being really bad. Um, and a lot of that just hinges on the health of Josie Altador, who doesn't seem to want to be there anymore, and Michael Bradley, um, who is very serviceable in the MLS, still at his age, but you can tell when you watch him play for the national team that he's kind of lost a step a little bit. Um, but he is smart. He knows the MLS. 
he's always been the guy who's kept the Toronto kind of machine running. Um, so if he stays healthy because the East is kind of weaker this year, they could be a bottom, a bottom team. Um, if he gets injured, I could see them missing the playoff. Uh, that's just, I, there was like not a lot, uh, coming in. They brought in a left back who was from Liverpool, uh, Tony Gallagher, and there weren't really any losses for the team. So, um, I don't know. Anyone have any thoughts on Toronto? I just kind of same old, same old Toronto, if you ask me. They lost their coach. That's a big deal. Yeah. Greg Vaney, it's like, I don't, I, I think that's, that's the biggest change to me with them. Like unhappy Josie, Greg Vaney. That's, yeah, I totally forgot that he's now coaching the Galaxy, right? I think they're toast. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I They called up a bunch of people from their uh, youth team, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I just not a lot of hype. Okay, real quick, uh, just before we kind of continue on, uh, I know that one of our members, Davis, has a strict time crunch so uh so he can get out of here davis do you want to give us your prediction of how the east lines up top eight real quick uh yeah really really quickly um crew numero uno i think the crew are gonna dominate i think the revs are gonna be there as well but i i honestly sorry colin but your two your team's too good and too stacked there's too much depth um revs um philly and nashville and orlando i think are going to be some fun teams to watch in the east um and i, th- I think they'll kind of round up the three four five spots and then i've got uh toronto red bulls and montreal uh finishing out um i think again i like i already talked about montreal but i think toronto is just they're, they're gonna find a way and i think red bulls are the same way um i also don't quite think the east is that good this year um, uh, that's a really good point davis i think the east while it's usually better than the west i don't think anyone except for like columbus and cincinnati got better uh and everyone else aside from a few teams got worse that's yeah, that's worse. A, yeah that's actually yeah a really good point like new england and philly both they, they didn't get better i think new england is the same philly got worse for sure yeah. but yeah that's that's, that's a good point Spoiler alert. All right. Thanks, y'all. I'm out. <laughs> See you, Davis. All right. Bye, thanks, Davis. Uh, to just kind of wrap things up real quick, um, Davis already did his playoff teams. Uh, Colin, do you want to do your top eight real quick? Yeah. I've got uh, – so I've got – first, I've got New England. And, again, uh, that's only because the crew have so many – they're going to have so many road games open the year and then that weird schedule. That may benefit where – they tie a bunch of road games and win a couple, and then they go on a tear at home and take it. But I, I've still got New England first, Columbus second. I think Orlando is going to be good, and, and they're going to get that third spot. Um, Philly, I've got falling down to four, still making the playoffs, still being solidly there, but being four. Nashville uh, improving and getting to fifth. I've got Atlanta as sixth. Um, like I will say before we started talking today, I had Atlanta as third, and Davis convinced me that they were not going to be good. Um, I just think Joseph is good enough to make them better than the rest of the teams below them. Um, I've got Cincy in seventh. I think that's a little bit optimistic now that I I think of them again. Um, And since they lost to a Louisville team yesterday, three to nothing, Louisville's like trainer scored a goal 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Um, so I've got Cincy in seventh. That's probably too optimistic. And then Toronto in eighth. Um, no Red Bull. No New York teams. No Chicago. No Montreal. No Miami. No DC. Uh, Miami or Montreal, I think, could sneak up there into the playoffs and knock anybody out. Um, and I think anyone from Nashville down uh, could potentially fall out. All right. Uh, Renee, do you want to do your top yeah, eight? Or? Yeah, I just want to make sure. Did we um, uh, did we say Davis's picks or just see him in the in the chat? Yeah, he, he, said he said them. He said them? We okay. did it right after he, you were kind of wrapping up the Red Bull. Oh, cool, 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 cool. My apologies. My apologies. No, you're good. Smash that like and subscribe button, everyone. So um, I'll, I'll say, I don't want to overhype it and underhype it. I don't. Again, I think the the East is very top heavy, so I think one and two in mine are the best, and then I think everyone else is sort of middle of the pack. I really, it could be my revolution bias. I don't think they're gonna be great. That's just that that's me saying that. I, I just don't. Um, but then you'll see my standings, and it's like whatever, right? So I think I still think the crew's number one. Um, I think. Philly, I'm serious. I think Philly's still pretty good despite their losses. I'm going to have them as number two. Um, I was going back and forth with three and, and four. Um, I was going to, I have a little bit of respect for a revolution because I was going to have them at four, but I, I put them at three. Um, I still think that one and two are the better teams in the East, and then, every, and then three to eight are just interchangeable. Um, four. Maybe it's because I, I worked myself into a shoot. I think NYFC has a lot of potential. I really do. I think they have a lot, a lot of potential to... I think their their fans are pissed off. They have money. They have slots. They have uh, scouting that can do it internationally if, if, if they can't. So I'm putting them at four. Um, I think that's my biggest leap of faith, to be honest with you, is putting like NYFC it. at four. Um, I have Orlando at five. I have Toronto at six. Um, I have ATL at seven. And then I was between uh, Inter and, and New York actually at eight. I think the, the, the hype is pretty cool for, uh, for Clark. And, and I think Inter has a lot of cool stuff going for it, which, which could be fun. But I could switch out Inter or, or New York at, at eight or nine. And then I have... Fire, Montreal, Nashville. I don't think Nashville's going to be good. That's just me. I don't think Nashville's going to be good. Um, Cincy and then D.C., obviously, at the at the super basement. But, um, yeah, I'm a little bullish on the on the New York teams. And it's maybe, again, because I said earlier during my preview, maybe it's because I don't really pay, pay attention to them, um, mm-hmm. that I'm just surprised by this stuff. So that's me. Oh, yeah, the crew. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, the crew's going to be disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I will quickly run through mine real quick. No super surprises here. I have crew at one, revs at two. Um, For me, I am pretty high on Nashville, actually. I have them at third. Um, Just what I saw last year in the playoff, I think they're just going to be consistent. They know who they are. They're just going to do their thing. And because we've kind of mentioned there's muddied waters there in the East, um, if they can just win... When at home and draw away a bunch, you know, they're going to be a fine team that could finish third. Like, it's very possible. Um, I have Orlando City at four, Philly at five, Atlanta at six. And here's where things get weird for me. 
I have Inter Miami at seven, and then I have Chicago and NYC FC at eight. I could not pick between those two. I really think either of those teams could do it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I did the work on Chicago um, or just the games that I saw from them last year. And I believe in their coach. I believe in what they're doing youth wise. They can be scary fast. And with teams like we've mentioned losing uh, players for call-ups, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue for them so they can pick up points there. Um, I just, I think they're going to be a fascinating team and I would not be shocked if they had got the eighth seed and then the crew dispatched them. Uh, but that would be a huge step for Chicago. I think it would really help them. Um, you know, they're an older team, so it's kind of nice to see, see those teams do well. So, uh, that, that'll wrap up this episode of hello from the offside. So, just, so uh, just Christine, to, Oh, go ahead. On, just to clarify, just to clarify, because I know Christine's in the way yeah. ready to, to shoot us out. Yeah. yeah so she's got to take us out. I'm the, I, I am the only lowly person on Nashville and I think. I don't think the revs are going to be as good and I'm bullish on NYCFC, right? Those are my, those are my hot takes. Yeah. I think I, I'm not even sure if they're that hot of takes. Yeah. I think just, I, you know, Renee, I think you're, you make a really good point about new England because they were the eight seed last year and they didn't really add anyone. I I'm mm-hmm. optimistic because I feel like they figured it out and got healthy. But Their dude was also, hot in the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like exactly. they got hot in the you're, playoffs. You're right. You're totally right. They got hot in the playoffs and, they've not done anything in the last few years to say that they can do that in regular. Yeah. I just believe in Bruce is really what it is. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's like, definitely fair. That's it, definitely when fair. I was like putting together my top eight, like I was kind of thinking that they would be like third or fourth. And then I was like, yeah, but Bruce, do I really want to be on the bad side of Bruce? <laughs> I, I think if any, I think if, if the, if the, if there are more powers, in the East, the Revs would be lower for me, but I just think oh, and sure. three, three through eight are just interchangeable for me almost. That yeah. I just give the Revs a little bit of respect based on what they did in the playoffs. I just don't. I, I I could easily see them not making it. I know that sounds insane, but I could easily see them not not making it. But we'll see. Yeah, and I think your point about Philly being you know easily being second it is true. I just I think they had some big losses, but again, stability in the front office everything there you know that does make a big difference so yeah. it wouldn't be a shock you know and the east is um, top heavy i think the we may figure out the same thing with the west uh once we look at that but the east is really yeah. really top heavy like you guys have said yeah i'm gonna save my my, my list yeah. so i can be like remember when i said nashville is gonna be bad <laughs> yeah every week an update on your list <laughs> yeah. okay well that'll wrap it up uh for this week for hello from the offside we'll be coming back Uh, probably in two weeks to do the West so we can all have some time to research teams. Uh, With that said, Christine, take us out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Goodbye.